Welcome to the Retail Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Landon Jones. Every retailer knows that branding is everything. You've got to figure out how best to spread the message of your company and its products in new and unique ways without breaking the bank. Here to talk to us about building a customer brand community through temporary pop-up stores is Melissa Gonzalez, founder and CEO of the Lioness Group. How are you today, Melissa? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. So another one of your titles is Chief Pop-Up Architect. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. That is a pretty cool title, if I do say so myself. People do say that, so (laughs) I agree. I think that's just a really cool position to exist in the retail space. And I was wondering what kind of pop-ups have you designed and also what type of companies are gravitating toward this type of innovation? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely ranged across industries. Um, Everything from apparel and accessories to luggage and mattresses to food and spirits to toys. I mean, so it kind of runs the gamut. I think, you know, every brand has a story to tell. Um, Every product now with everybody being so digitally connected, you know, you need to create physical experience to answer the things that you can online or develop a deeper emotional connection. So we've been fortunate enough to to have that variety, which keeps it really interesting for us as well. So when I think of pop-up shops, I think of temporary high-end experiential shopping. Is that how you would describe it? You know, I mean, definitely experiential. And I think those are in line with the expectations of consumers today. Definitely approach a pop-up store with a different expectation than, you know, a regular store that you go into any day. There's there's um, an expectation that they're going to discover and there's going to be something interactive or immersive or, you know, something they can share on their socials. So I think that that's uh, like a big part of it. I think there's just so much rapid transition happening, you know, the technology is advancing and evolving at really rapid rates and it's and it's impacting the way consumers interact all the time. You know, a few years ago, you didn't do all your browsing and shopping and your mobile device wasn't also a computer and, you know, you didn't expect everything on demand and you didn't have a voice assistant. And, you know, so like our, we're, shaped, we're being reshaped all the time because of all of these advancements. And so stores need to come up with new ways to connect with consumers and pop-ups serve a lot of purposes. And one of which are being able to keep people up with those times versus making an investment in a 10 year lease and then designing a store, which you think works today, but may not be the best fit for two years from now with a pop-up you can, you can test, you can iterate, you can, um, you know, you can see what neighborhoods makes most sense for you. And I think where the distribution options have become fast with e-commerce and, and channels like that, people are rethinking how they use physical and so they want to have a limited time experience in order to test that and then some things you know are seasonally based so having something year-round won't make sense you know the halloween store where you know they're only out when the season makes sense and for them to have a store year-round they probably lose a lot of money right because you're not buying costumes all the time like that and and then others it's like they know they raise money because they want to go into brick and they have some data from the back end of their website of where their traffic comes from, but they're not really sure if physical is going to resonate in those areas. Also testing what the format looks like. Do they have 5,000 square feet or 500 square feet? Do, do they need to have inventory in store or is it more about touch and feel? Um, so pop-ups are a lot of 
uh, it's like a really public focus group to do a lot of that testing. So you would say they're a trend because of a lot of different things, but experimentation, navigating the relationship between traditional brick and mortar and e-commerce, as well as customer experience? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's for sales, it's for brand awareness, it's for educating, it's for learning, it's for testing. In your bio, you referred to yourself as a storyteller. And I was wondering, how, how does what you do as chief pop-up architect center around storytelling? Yeah, I mean, when we first start with a brand, early questions that we ask are not only what are your goals, but, you know, we do a deep dive into who they are as a brand. And their pop-up is like the physical manifestation of their story. You know, online, you're getting it through copy and through imagery and visuals and stuff like that. But in the store, you you know, customers aren't just going in there to see product on a shelf. To me, I always say, okay, based on your goals and what your value proposition, your storyline, what's your aesthetic, you know, what's the right color and materials and everything, you know, how are we going to allow people to kind of step into the story of your brand? And so that's how we start the conversation and, you know, what, what tactile ways are we going to do that? You know, what are they going to see when they first walk in? What are they going to interact with? Um, what are the questions that are not being answered online? And how do we create an environment that like bridges that gap? We recently, well, not recently, a couple months ago, did a pop-up on the West Coast for a company called Brandless. And it was a lot of education around, you know, everybody knows that they sell products for $3. And I think your mind automatically assumes $3. So, you know, what kind of quality you're going to get, but it was really educating on what they sold that was vegan and what was GMO free and what does GMO free even mean? And, you know, what does vegan need and what are these ingredients and how do you make recipes out of this? And, you know, I think when you can you position a product in ways that open your mind to how that product exists in your life outside of product itself. It's not just that I sell sunflower seeds or whatever it is, but like recipes that you're going to use it in or other unexpected ways that, you know, kind of open your mind to the possibilities. So Brandless was very colorful palette and an experience. You walk in and, you know, you, you could do tastings. There were Instagrammable moments with the giant syrup bottle. There was kind of an exploded version of what a box would be that would be delivered to your house. There were a lot of panel discussions um, on, on topics around eating healthy and wellness and balance in your life. And so um, it, it was a great way to not only introduce people to Brandless, it was their first ever physical pop-up, um, but in a very educational way. And they, they actually were zero products for cash and carry sale in the pop-up. So it was all experiential. You can, they were, you know, there were computers there so you can place an order for it to be drop shipped to your house. Um, but it was, yeah, it was all about learning. Would you say that there's a need to create some sort of emotional connection? Yes, absolutely. That's like one of the most important things. And so, you know, there's different ways you can do that uh, through design for sure. When you do have those Instagram moments, sometimes you're allowing people to be content creators and inject themselves and having a voice into your brand message. And that could be really powerful and people get excited about that. If you surprise and delight them, you know, you develop an emotional connection. Also really training your in-store staff and brand ambassadors helps develop that. They're the most important touch points at the store. So, you know, it's one thing for somebody to tell me where the dress is located. And it's another thing for them to really be able to tell me the story behind the designer. And, what are the fabrics and why this is a great fit for me or what else I can pair it with. So, you know, training them to really understand all how to deliver high level customer service is also really important. 
I really like that emphasis. So you're training the employees to also be storytellers and to represent your brand. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when we first started, we worked a lot with emerging designers in doing pop-ups back in 2009. And some of the brands that did the best were when the designer was there because it established this emotional connection with the consumer and the brand because they felt like, oh, I met the designer. She's my friend now. I'm going to go back to the office and tell everybody the new top I bought from my new friend, you know? So it created this human aspect element to it. And so with bigger brands, you know, the founder is most likely not going to be able to be there. So the brand ambassador ideally should be the next best thing to understanding what's the story and why was this created and, you know, whatever the FAQs are about the product and, and also understand the customer aspect of it. Everything from how is it, why was it made? How is it made? How does it fit? And what are my return policies? I mean, really, they need to understand everything. So I'm also wondering with this um, experimentation, where are companies still failing with this new innovation? I mean, I think there's a balance, right? And that's why like, it's really important in the beginning to think of your goals, because I think what happens is sometimes you see things too far up the spectrum on either end. So if you make it completely an Instagrammable store, you know, sometimes there's a gap between the relevance of that content and what the products are that you're actually selling. You know, you never want to be in a situation where people walk away. You know, when you watch a really cool commercial and everybody talks about the commercial and the monkey in the commercial or whatever, but nobody knows what that commercial was selling. So you want to make sure that all of those moments still need to be purposeful. So people walk away remembering exactly what it is that you offer them as a brand. There are environments where dropship makes a lot of sense and there's others where it might not. So understanding the balance in that. And, and also the balance between digital and physical. A lot of stores now are, you know, wanting to deliver that omnichannel experience. And that means integrating technology, but sometimes that technology is not purposeful. So there is a disconnect there, but other times there's too much technology and then consumers walk in a bit disappointed because if they wanted to just touch a tablet, they could do that from their house. So you need to make sure that there's a good blend between those digital interactions, but also those tactile ones that they couldn't have online, which is one of the main reasons why they're coming to your store. A lot of the times people decide to do a pop-up and they think because it's short in nature, right, the duration of it, then planning can also be short. And that's incorrect. You're still giving an impression to your consumers, right? So there's definitely that balance. And a lot of people struggle with figuring out the ROI of that investment up front because, yeah, it's a lower cost investment than a permanent store. And there's decisions you can make about the the materials that you use or you know you're building for a set versus for a long term and things like that but like the impression still has to be really strong so i think there's um some of the challenges are like understanding that balancing act how do we deliver something that's very much on brand is is a is a positive extension of what we do it's going to give the right impression for who we are but also you know, puts us in a position that we can figure out what the ROI from that investment is. You know, some brands are in a position where it's like out of their marketing budget and they understand the ancillary benefits of it. And there's a lot of others that are trying to figure out, okay, well, what are my KPIs and my ROI if I'm only open for two weeks or a month? You know, figuring out how do you track that. But some of the most important things when you're doing a pop-up is really thinking about your goals. Um, you know, don't pick a location because it's the one you can afford. Uh, it's got to be the right one for you, for the target audience you're going after. Um, 
you know, you don't need 5,000 square feet to be effective in messaging. So if you, you know, I, I always say it's better to be in the right location and a smaller footprint. And so maybe you can only afford 500 or 1,000 square feet. So curate the messaging. Make sure that um, a consumer can walk in and understand what the through line of the store is in like a sound bite, like one visual sound bite kind of thing. And when they walk out, they remember exactly what that is. Make sure that you are training the store staff because, like I said, they're the most important touch point. And they're not only the most important touch point to the consumer, but also to the brand. They're, they're your opportunity for qualitative data collection. Right. I mean, you could put sensors in the store at the door to know how many people walked by. You can check your POS system to see what, what those sales conversions were. You can deduct some assumptions from that. This many people walked in. This many people shopped. But it's the it's your brand ambassador who's going to tell you why they shopped, why they didn't shop, why certain colors move more than the other. What were the most frequently asked questions? Um, and then also taking the time to to digest all that information, data collection, and then you know, make some updates based on that. And the other thing I would say is depending on the duration or what your current marketing muscle is, I mean, some brands that launch pop-up stores already have huge followings and they, you know, they have an audience that they can immediately activate and drive to the store through social channels or they have good media buying budgets and such. But even if you're a smaller brand, I mean, the pop-up is also an opportunity where you can create community around your brand. So um, if, if you have more of a conservative budget, think through some really in ways you can partner with like-minded brands that don't compete with you that complement your offering that further your messaging as a brand and and proactively uh, plan in-store events for the duration of your pop-up not every day but maybe a couple of weeks so you're always getting in front of new eyeballs and there's fresh energy um, there's new social media content being shared and it continues to build awareness around both the store being open and the brand itself there's a place in my hometown that's referred to as a creative space. Um, but it's just like a really nice venue that's very small that the owner will then like rent or lease out to um, anyone who wants to hold an event or a concert or a pop-up store. And I was wondering if if you have noticed that as a, an industry trend. Yeah, like pop-ins and stuff. There's a lot of listing uh, sites now that you can use storefront, appear here, go pop up. I think there's a number of them where you can find locations and they're more built out in uh, more urban cities than others. So there's a lot of options of that in New York, uh, LA, there's some in San Francisco, DC, you know, I don't think throughout the entire country is that easy, um, but in some more dense environments there are, um, but you do see that, you know, I actually got a text message earlier today from somebody like my landlord has an art space and the Lower East Side and he's offering it if you want to like do some cool stuff in there for the next like year. <laughs> so I think people are rethinking space and I think depending on the landlord there, some of people, some of them think it's a cool thing to do. Some of them can take the write off. Some of them thinks it's gonna, you know, for hotels, it makes a lot of sense, for example, where they repurpose underutilized space for pop-ups because of all the, uh, additional benefits they're going to get uh, on top of the pop-up rent. They're going to get new media impressions. They're going to get new people coming to their hotel. If they have a great restaurant, maybe they're going to also get more bookings. You know, if a brand's coming in from out of town, they might also sell the rooms and the event spaces. And so there's a lot of rethinking happening of how do we use underutilized spaces 
for landlords, for mall operators, for hotel operators, etc. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Sorry there was some honking, but it's New York, you know. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com backslash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Landon Jones. Until next time.